listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 1 through 9. If you do not have your Bible, as always, uh, we have the scripture printed in the order of worship at, for your convenience. Now, here's the thing. We are in the second part of a series on generosity. And the funny thing is, we've been getting visitors over the last week. I have not preached on giving or generosity the whole five years as a pastor directly at this. I know you don't believe me as a visitor saying, oh, here we go again, another church asking for money. You can talk to my people. I don't talk about it. But I haven't really had to in a direct way and for a lot of reasons. First of all, by the grace of God, even though we're a church plan, we have never been desperate for money in our church. And that's a God thing. I mean, praise God for that. When, when you, next time you, you're praying, just thank God for that. Because I have a lot of friends that are a lot of church plants that have had very, a lot of desperate situations, and some have failed because of lack of resources. We're, we've just not been desperate for that. Second is this. The whole giving to church thing has been so distorted over the last few decades to the point where people talking about money at church leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. And guess what? I get it. I've been to those churches that make me feel like you're not ever giving enough or feel guilty or out of sense of duty. But here's the thing. We talked about this last week. Jesus talked about money all the time. But not in the way that you would think. Not like other leaders do and definitely not like the church talks about it nowadays. Even though he was poor, he didn't need and he didn't want people's money. He wanted their hearts. Even though he was poor. And that's the whole point of our, our series on generosity in our title today, which we talk about the idea of the heart of generosity. So let's look at our passage today, see what the Bible has to say about this. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9. And, and Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And so um, and he's going to talk about an example from another church at Macedonia. So here's it. I want you to know, brothers, he's talking to the Corinthians about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance and joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor and talking about talking about taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that he had started, so he may complete among the, this, you the grace of act, the act of grace, excuse me. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for us, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Father God, guide us today. Give us wisdom. Uh, give me wisdom as I don't put my opinion on this sermon, but just that I'm clearly representing your word. Uh, protect your word against even my own short feelings. Uh, we thank you for the folks here. May we all have eyes to see, ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's a common act of kindness that a lot of people talk about nowadays, and it's kind of become trendy, is the idea of paying it forward. And we all know what that means for the most part. And it's a great way to give to people in this way uh, and, and to receive in this way. But the more I think about it, the more I really think about giving to people in this way and asking them to do the same, or we receive a gift and then we say, thank you, we're going to pay it forward, is actually totally different than what we're talking about in this generosity series. It's really not what we're getting at here. Think about it. What we are talking about in this series is an act of serving and being generous in a way that expects nothing from the person that we give it to. Our first core value here at Chelsea Press is focused on the good news of Jesus Christ, and that concept is focused on grace. At our church, you're going to hear us talk about it all the time, grace is everything to us. Everything that we do, everything that we receive is because of God's grace to us. Generosity is no different than this. Grace, by definition, is generous. In fact, everything you have, everything I have, is a result of God being gracious and generous to us in ways that we can never pay back. He's not even asking you to try. And the more you think about it, the more you meditate on that, that's the thing that's going to transform you. People making you feel guilty about what you don't give. People telling you to give out of obligation or sense of duty doesn't transform you. It doesn't change your heart. But as you meditate on God's generosity, the more you think about that, you become more generous as a result of the overflow of God's generosity. And that's, again, like we said, nothing that out of a sense of duty or guilt can ever do. It never, it never will change your heart. People making you tell you what you should do doesn't change your heart. We discussed that last week, so let's talk more about it this week. We're going to talk about three points, and those three points are in the bulletin. One is we're going to talk about an amazing example here. The second thing we're going to talk about is uh, the exceeded expectation and then the last one is going to be the final encouragement. You can follow along uh, with that, and it's going to be in according to those three paragraphs that we looked at today. Let's look at the first verses that we have. Paul says to the Corinthians, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Again, of their own accord, relate to them too. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. First time I read this, I kind of chuckled. Think about the idea of people coming to us and begging us to take their money. See, I have a great friend of mine that's one of the biggest encouragers that I know and uh, are really ever seen. And every time he sees me, and every time I call him, he always says, get fired up. That's his phrase that he uses. And I don't know if he does that with everybody. Maybe he just sees me as somebody that's not very fired up. I don't know. <laughs> but this is kind of the phrase that, that you can use to sum up what Paul's talking about here. See, in this chapter, Paul is trying to get the Corinthians fired up 
But what's the cause? What's he really after here? See, he's been going around and writing letters and also going to different places and collecting for the saints in Jerusalem that were desperately poor, extremely poor. They were in destitute. Didn't know where their next meal was coming from. And so Paul is trying to get out the word out to the other churches. Now the Corinthian church, on the other hand, is the opposite. They're the affluent, one of the affluent wealthy churches in the Bible. So here you have the extreme poor over here in Jerusalem. You have the wealthy here in Corinth that Paul's trying to get fired up about giving. And right in the middle, you have these Macedonians. And they're totally different than both of them. See, Macedonians are kind of the rural blue-collar church at the time. If you see from the text, they've endured a lot of suffering, whether it's their own uh, struggles financially or resources or persecution from the Roman government, whatever it might be, or even from other Jews. I don't know, but they were suffering, it said. And they wanted to, uh, but, but when Paul was came to them and, and he was talking about the collection of Jerusalem, they said, we want to give, which was kind of a shock to Paul. You know, first of all, he's probably saying, you don't really have any money. Uh, the second thing, uh, he wasn't really talking to them the same way he was the Corinthians here. So why were they begging Paul to be a part of this collection that he was taking up? Why? First of all, they had been given grace and they wanted to show grace. They had suffered themselves and they knew what it was like. And they wanted, they wanted to show grace in alleviating the suffering of others. You see that? It's amazing to me that some of the people that have suffered the most are the most generous in helping other people that are suffering. Some of the people that have been destitute in their life financially are some of the best at helping others in that way because they understand what it's like. The Corinthians really didn't have that. See, in, in the uh, Macedonians, it wasn't their circumstances or money or lack of money. It didn't determine their joy or it didn't determine their giving. They had been given to and they realized it's more blessed to give than receive, as we would say. And they were in poverty and they gave. And it wasn't a question of them like, how much money do I have left over? And Paul, you can have it. They just basically said, we're going to give. It was in the midst of their poverty, it says. See, they were happy, and it says they were joyful. They, were, they just weren't materialistic. They didn't think about money in the same way that the Corinthians did, who had a lot of it. They thought of others before themselves. Now, at some point, you've got to realize, Macedonians weren't always this way. Macedonians had trouble later in this. Uh, Macedonians were like us, for the most part. They assumed that they were entitled to, and, and should have, a good life, a prosperous life, financial security, and now they were changed in a way that they weren't before to have a, a servant's heart. They, they didn't take it for granted. They, took, they did not take money for granted anymore. They identified with those that suffered. Because we know this, you look at the story behind a lot of hospitals and a lot of campus ministries and a lot of seminaries and a lot of church blocks like ours are people who at one time in their lives were self-satisfied, living, uh, in their own lives, looking out for number one, and then in the midst of that, God moved in some way and broke them, and they poured that out into these causes. After that, they wanted to give. They wanted to know the grace that they had grappled with and received. This is basically why the Macedonians begged Paul to allow them to give. They saw themselves as beggars. They weren't like the poor in Jerusalem, but they definitely weren't like the people in Corinth. They saw themselves as beggars at a feast, and they were so glad to be there that they wanted to share their wealth that they had experienced 
at some point, giving it away so others can experience what they had had. Christian generosity, that's what happens, realizes, it comes to a realization when you realize that grace is everything. If you don't get that, you will never get to the point where you're truly generous. My other two points are not that long, I promise you. Let's look at number two, the exceeded expectation. Look at verse five, it says, and this not as if we expected, but they gave uh, themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that he had started that he should complete among this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in speech, in faith, in knowledge, in earnestness, in your, in your love, see that you would excel in this also. There's a lot of accolades that the, the Corinthian church had. They were in Corinth, Greece. They had all the, uh, the, the trained philosophers. They had the, the, the teachers. Uh, they had uh, some of the best speakers around, the rhetoricians and all that. And he, he gave them all the accolades. He's like, Listen, you're known for your faith. You're known for your speech. You're known for your knowledge. We, we know all these things. Here's one more thing that we want you to be known for. See, the whole situation when, when Paul came to the, the Macedonians uh, was unexpected. He, he didn't expect that. He was still trying to get over that. Not only did they give, but they gave sacrificially, generously, and these were the lower middle class people, as we said, that were just scraping by. So what happened here? Well, look at verse 5. It says, they gave themselves first to God. You can't skip that step. You can't go and say, I have money, how am I going to use it? And then you start divvying it up. You have to grapple with the fact of who God is first. The generosity is given you a grace. If you skip that step, you're never going to get to the place where you give and not resent, and not be resentful. Meaning they had the perspective that they were God's children and that everything they had was a gift from God to them. So why would they not give it freely? See, notice here that they gave themselves to God first. All of life, monetary giving will not happen uh, and become a ha lifestyle of giving until you see this one thing. Everything you have already belongs to God. It just already belongs to God. He's given it to you. Uh, you have stewardship over that. Uh, but it belongs to Him. Matter of fact, if you don't understand that everything belongs to God that you have, you're going to resent giving and you're going to resent the sermon series. And I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Paul, I'm not really sorry about that. Paul asked the Corinthians in another place, and listen to this verse he had, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, 7, in another place at the other uh, letter he wrote, he said, what do you have that you didn't receive? See, here's the thing, that we have this facade in our mind that the reason that we're not like the poor saints in Jerusalem or the poor saints in the inner city Birmingham or you know, the poor saints wherever, that, that we're in a better shape and we're more affluent because we make better decisions and we uh, were more financially, um, we had better stewardship, we planned better than everybody else. And then I want to say, who the heck do you think gave you the ability to make those decisions? It's still back to God, no matter how much you want to put it on yourself. This is what we're talking about here. So how can we ever get to the place where we can give generously as an overflow of the wealth that we had? Let's look at the final encouragement here, number three. Verse eight. I say this is not a command. Again, Paul keeps saying commandments are not going to, like the command to give doesn't motivate anybody long term to give generously. But he said to prove by earnestness of others that your love is genuine. He just basically saying it's an act of love. For you to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, and for your sake he became poor, so that you might in poverty become rich. 
So the final word of encouragement by Paul, you know, he wanted to be encouraged by the Macedonians in the way they gave out of their poverty. But the final one is he wants to give the example beyond behind the example. The example behind the example is Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did, that's why the Macedonians did that. As we talked about last week, what did Jesus do with his treasure? He was secure. He had status unlike anybody else. Power and glory more than any of us will ever accomplish in heaven. And he, made, and he was utterly rich. And he became poor, it says, utterly poor, in coming to earth. He poured out himself in that way. He came to earth in the flesh. He was utterly poor. Lived in poverty, crucified naked, buried in a borrowed tomb, utterly poor, so that we might be rich. So what's the point? What's the point of all this today? I want you to look at the quote at the very beginning of the bulletin. It's from a, uh, one of my mentors. Uh, that's actually uh, the church that planted our church. Uh, he uh, said this in a sermon. And I'm sure he's probably like me. He got it from a, different, a lot of different other people, but I don't know who he got it from, so I just quoted him. But look at this. A closed fist tends to be angry, holding on, and stingy. An open hand is generous. The way your hand is with your money is the way your personality will be. That's what we talked about in the beginning, right? We said generosity is not just about money. It's about all life resources, even your relational resources. Are you going to be free of what the attention and, and your approval and the compliments that you give people? All charitable. You can't, be stingy with, you can't be stingy with God and be this generous, nice, wonderful, charitable person. It's not possible. Now look at God. What's the universal picture of him that we see? What do you think of? And this is a key. What do you think of when you think of the character of God? I'll tell you what it's not. It is not a closed fist, angry at the crucifying mob, or angry with you because you sinned again. It's his hands nailed open, giving life, ready to receive anyone. Let me end with something similar that we talked about last week. Again, I'm not talking about guilt here. We're not desperate as a church. That's not what I'm preaching on this series. But just like what we did yesterday with the barbecue, I want this to be a part of all of what every one of us do. Because that's when the kingdom is going to grow in ways that we can't outgive God in. And the art investment is going to blow your mind on that. See, I'm not saying here... This is what God did for you, and you need to return the favor. That's what a lot of churches do. That's not what God wants. It's the opposite. God is calling you and I to get off the equation. Giving out of duty and guilt is not sustainable. And you can even tithe. You can give 10% to your church and never really be a generous giver. If that's what you're uh, giving out of obligation. It's about your heart. It's about your motivation. It's about, is it causing you to grab a hold of the things you have or let go of them? When we think about generosity, we've got to think about God's love and His faithfulness and His grace to us, but also meditate on His generosity. That's the only way we can truly fight against this. See, we all have this desperate, desperate need and hope, and almost an addiction and idol at times, to hold on to our lives and our resources, and our comforts, and our security, and our money, and our retirement, and cars, and all this stuff. That's bondage. God wants the opposite for you. And when you grapple with the generosity of God, you, have, you get to the place where stuff is just stuff. And you're not so desperate worried about hanging on to it. And if you lost everything tomorrow, but you still had Jesus Christ, you say, you know what? That's all right. That's what true financial freedom really is. No matter how much you have, let's pray. Well, I can thank you uh, for.
your words, um, thinking that they're not my words. I probably wouldn't even preach them if it weren't your word, but when you call us to this. But I know this is uh, always a struggle with my life and my wife's life uh, of, of giving, not just our money, but just our, our time and our resources and what we have. And, uh, help us to be people that just overflow and exude grace and generosity in the way that we treat people, spend time with people, go out of our way to ask people, what do they need? How can we help them? Lord, help us to be generous. Enlarge our hearts to be able to do that. Um, give, help us to give up control of these things that in the end really just don't matter. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.